Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Cavalry Audio. Hey, buddy, good job last night on the Golden Globes. I, I took some still screen grabs, which I will be happy to get framed up for you, of you in the background mm-hmm. uh, all uh, supporting Kate with her nomination. Uh, I mean, there was there was Hollywood royalty. There were kids. There were hangers-on. There was you and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michelle's like, oh, mm-hmm. look how beautiful Aaron is. Look how beautiful Aaron is. And then there you oh, are in the God. back. And I got a, I actually got one of the screenshots when they went back to you guys when Kate didn't win. Whoever won, I don't remember who the was in the category, but she didn't win. And then they go back to these different boxes that they were putting up. And you were already kind of walking away. <laughs> You're yeah, in the, yeah. everybody else like yay and you're in the background <laughs> pointed like you're walking out of the room uh, i'm gonna say well i was right in now. a weird so position great. because you know everyone was on the couch and i i was late to the party oh, like, oh it's time right and it was time so i i i'm in the back trying to dip down and get my face in there because you know yeah I, it was a good opportunity for me to be seen by Hollywood and to maybe be right. offered a job. For, for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about absolutely nothing right now. But right, uh, we're talking the, about total horse shit. Yes, uh, the Golden Globes, basically a virtual event, Zoom calls, dipping in in everybody's home surroundings, and Oliver is in the back, right behind little sister Kate. Right behind mommy, right by Boston, mm-hmm. right behind uh, Ryder, who looks like he's ready to star in a Bronx tale. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Ryder was so cute last night. No, he looked like he was like a ballroom dancer with his ponytail and his. Oh, you I. Know, he looked, oh, you don't see the ponytail. So I just thought he slipped oh, yeah. his hair back. So he's kind of just corralled his hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he I was see. in full. He was in full effect last night. Okay. It was fun, though. We had a good time, man. We had a good time. It was funny because when we were um, waiting for the winner, you know, we're everyone's in the box and, and everyone's alone. And then, of course, you've got Kate and her insane family, you know. And it was, there was such a juxtaposition of everyone else who was waiting for their Golden Globe. 
announcement. <laughs> it's like, but but I it, it did strike me, and I took this picture. I took two. I just sent you one of them, the one where you're walking away, like with a I don't know what are you drinking? Oh, a glass of like champagne or wine or something. I have a I have a martini in there. Okay, uh, but you're really lucky, you know. You're blessed, and I I think of one of the things that I've I've always admired about your family, and we've talked a billion times. And I knew Kate first. I know you better. Is you you both are always surrounded by people who love you, and I feel like you're you're looking for reasons to get together, whether it's in Aspen or it's it used to be in Greece. I don't know if you guys still do that, but you mm-hmm. you travel in a huge pack, and I feel like you get such uh, warmth and strength from having that kind of a family unit around you. So while your story with your specific father is not good, which is why. We're in this podcast thing at all, and it's called Daddy Issues. You're really, you're really surrounded by a lot of love, and I, I've always felt that about you, and I've always felt that about Kate. You want family around, and I don't think everybody's mm-hmm. like that. And you have a cool family yeah. that you all challenge each other. Kurt will challenge you. Boston will challenge you. Wyatt will challenge you. Kate certainly challenges you, and you challenge all those people, and you make them better, and they make you better. I, I think you're. You know, for all the the angst about your dad, I think you have a really good family situation. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Well, thank you. We do. No, we do. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We all live ten minutes away from each other. That's important. I've I've tickled the idea of potentially moving to the valley, but you know, I'd be too far away. The cousins are all best friends. I mean, we have a very very tight family unit. Now it doesn't go without its insanity. I mean, of course, there are the issues within a family, but I think we handle it well. We don't take anything too personally. There always has to be someone to step up who is the voice of reason, because sometimes shit can get out of control between two family members, and then that neck, that other person has to come in and say, okay, wait a minute, you guys. This is There's bigger things happening here than whatever squabble we're going through. Like anything, man, like relationships and love and friendship, and especially with family, it takes work. It always takes work. And you just but have yours to be reminded. So, I mean, if you would ever allow, and you wouldn't for a thousand reasons. Like keeping up with the Hudson. Yeah, because, because it really, it, it wouldn't Palms. be like the, yeah, it wouldn't be like the other ones. Because I feel like it's it's a really positive environment that's led by like the patriarch and the matriarch mm-hmm. are A-list celebrities like as a as you can get with your mom and kurt you know mm-hmm. on down through the kids and now the kids kids and the, everybody's dynamic and everybody's bringing something to the table everybody's got a project they're working on everybody's really type a everybody's really got an opinion and yet you guys yeah. all make it work and you want to be around each other i feel like stress and insecurity and competitiveness would have driven wedges between so many of these different relationships, but you guys just make it work, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And we talk about it too, you know, when there are the insecurities or a potential wedge, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's good, man. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely blessed. I'm, I'm lucky in so many, so many ways, you know, of course, I'm sure there'll be comments now being like, you fucking prick, you entitled little bitch. How dare you talk about your life and how, whatever struggles you might have. Yeah, we're talking about good things. We're not struggling. Really. <laughs> no, I know, but just wait. 
<laughs> Just wait. <laughs> yeah, well, the comments and the the pea shooters from the top of the bleachers really shouldn't matter, um, which they don't. No. And they don't really know you. And uh, or me. No, it was a it was a fun night, man. It was it was a it was a fun gathering. Um, you know, everyone. Kate's very strict with her covid protocol so we got like pcr tests and then rapid tests at the house and so well because she's was shooting great. something on top of that right isn't she yeah doing something? And, and they yes, test her every day want, yes but we also wanted to have a party you know with there's only 15 people there maybe but still we wanted to have some semblance of normalcy so we did everything that we could to get tested further out in advance and then uh, even leading up to it so we could actually you know, be together and hug and have a, a, a sort of a, a real interaction with each other. And it was it was a blast, man. It was really it was really fun. Well if you it want really, really if fun. you want to remind yourself what normalcy really is and being in like a public setting used to be like prior to the pandemic. Go to Florida. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, what oh my god, it? this is this is how it was. I went down there with mm. three friends to play golf, two of which have already had COVID, um, so you feel like you know they're the golden children mm-hmm. where you can just be around them because they've they've had it, yeah. gotten over it, have the antibodies. And my other friend, right. uh, he and both he and I have not had it, but we all felt good together. And then we would go like we went to a place to uh, get some margaritas after the airport on the way to the golf course, um, and we're in a restaurant and it's pretty damn. Normal, Full speed. yeah. I mean, not totally, but it's close. And you yeah. go, oh my god, man! I remember what this feels like. Where you, there's actually kind of bar service, and it's not about all mm-hmm. eating and drinking. It's about being around other people and mm-hmm. interacting. Now everybody's got masks on, but you're also in a place where people are eating and drinking. And so, unless you're drinking or needing through your mask, it's coming down. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, we flew southwest down there, flew southwest back. Uh, I mean, I, I if I don't get, I'm, I, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to no. say it out loud. <laughs> we're close, man. We're close. This, this thing is almost, uh, we're going to be good. End of the summer, I think we're going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be parties in the streets. Everyone's going to be making love like it was after World War II. Baby boom's going to happen. You know, right. I'm just going to lie down in the middle of Sunset Boulevard naked just no. to see what happens. That'll be good That's for the my... podcast. That's what will hey, happen. Hey, anything. I'll sell I'll sell anything for a price, you know. I mean, it, whatever's going to make us money and whatever's going to give us some sort of popularity with daddy issues, I'm I'm willing to do. So I just came from a funeral, which not to oh. bring it down, but it it Jeez. uh Yeah, it just it, you know, when you go to a funeral and and you you look at what's left behind after somebody passes away, and in this case, it's it's a dear family friend, um, somebody that I kind of watched after when he was little. Um, and this kid, such a special guy, uh, passed away at the age of 31. Ugh. And was uh, everything you read about, like with these kind of larger-than-life uh Almost like a almost like a real life action hero. Somebody that went was a great football player here in St. Louis. Went to the Naval Academy. Uh, was an All American linebacker at the Naval Academy. Then became a Marine. Then spent seven years touring 
going to different war-torn places across the globe, establishing security, just being on the outer edges of it, and then was becoming a firefighter uh, and ended up taking his own life, which oh, uh, it's just... Man. It just, you know, it, it you realize what's left behind and, and the the destruction and the devastation of, of that, of somebody that is just that accomplished and that strong of a personality and that, that just was a giving kid and really religious and just so many things going on. And I think just battling with so much depression and some PTSD and, and who knows what, whatever else um, from having played football and box, wrestling and boxing and mm-hmm. all these different combat situations. But, you know, you, it just makes you stop in this craziness of this world. And you just you just become so thankful for, for everything mm-hmm. that you have around you and coming home and being with the boys. And it's just... Well, Man. it's also not only that, but just having, you know, being ha- ha- mentally healthy, you know? I mean, the way you're describing this guy, it seems like he had everything that he needed and wanted. I mean, yeah. but there Except was something going on. Except peace of mind. Except peace of mind. There was something going on, man. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy shit. Yeah. I mean. And so many you know. things just crisscrossed and whether it was COVID and just isolation wasn't good for him and, and, and not being around a team and not having a purpose that way and not, did he have kids? No, never married. Uh, I mean, all American stud looking guy, Mm -hmm. but all of that. And then, then in the Midwest, there was a blizzard, like an Arctic blast and it was snowing Mm -hmm. and just everything, you know, just the isolation. And you think about all these people that have just had to be alone during this whole pandemic uh, and, and dealing with that and worrying about the virus and worrying about loved ones and all that stuff just building on itself. Mm-hmm. It's a really dangerous time in the world for people mm-hmm. that, that struggle with mental health. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you and I have talked about our own battles with depression, anxiety, and there's so many varying degrees of it. But But this was just a, a big put a pin in everything. Stop worrying about the little things. Stop stressing over the the day-to-day mm-hmm. and the the snarky comments and that's that's why i brought it up when you said you know we'll just wait till the comments you know what forget all that and and we're we're so lucky and just you need to realize mm-hmm. all that we have not not with relation oh, yeah. to comments but just in in life and oh celebrate God, yeah. that yeah yeah and then you know, you need those people around you to also help you through things. Meaning, you know, if you have that depression, if you have that mental, if, if some sort of a mental breakdown or a mental illness, you know, I'm wondering why he didn't or if he even tried to get help. Oh, yeah. He, he went through all that, went through all that. But but then once you go through not just the pandemic, but you go through like this, the whole Midwest was frozen two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody was moving anywhere. And he was just by himself in his apartment, mm-hmm. a cadet at the Kansas City, Kansas Fire Department. And it just things compounded. And, and you know, the the worst mm. possible result uh, happened. But yeah. Oh, so anyway, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all that, that uh, I have, the people that I get to love every day, the people that love me. So let's... Get back to concentrating on that. Good. I agree. I agree. What was his name? Matt Brewer. Um, Matt Brewer. Just an absolute 
I mean, he was a hero. And and to mm-hmm. here's here's the last thing I'll say about this because I, I know that people okay. don't tune into podcasts about, but but to see his sister and his brother speak on his behalf and how much this man meant to them, and then his mom get up and give the eulogy, which was just so deep and so emotional and so brilliantly worded and delivered. Um, it's just, it's equal parts emotionally distressing because you're watching these people just melt up there. And then it's impressive that you can get through it. I had to do it for my own father. I had to, I had to give my dad's eulogy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my half sister went first. You would have, you would have approved of this line. My half sister gets up, gives my dad, gives her eulogy of my dad, and then I'm waiting in the front row of the church, the pew of the church, and I get up. And my opening line was, "It's not a good feeling when you're sitting there listening to a eulogy that you know is better than the one you wrote." Mm-hmm. Which I did. I was like, "Christine, <laughs> you killed it." And uh, right. here's here's what I came up with. Yeah. Last night, uh, yeah. If you ever want to procrastinate, try writing a eulogy for somebody oh, you love. Oh my God! Uh, it's well, it's, you know, just relating even all of this back to you know the theme of our show. As my boys and girls, but wilder, you know, he's thirteen, he's getting older, the hormones start to kick in. And you begin to sort of wonder what they're thinking because they get they go inward a little bit. Um, and you're always, you know, sort of wondering if they're okay, or I'm wondering, okay, is, is he, is he okay? I know he seems down, but, uh, and, um, I know it's probably me just tripping, but at some, sometimes, you know, you, you get nervous because you do hear about kids and depression. Just and, when they quiet you know, down, what they're going they go through. inside. It's hard yeah, they to go see. inside a little bit and you want them to express themselves to you, you know, but at the same time, you can't force them to. Um, and, and they at times just say, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. But you can sort of feel their energy. And then you have to weigh the balance, not to cut you off. You have to weigh the balance of how many times can you say, are you okay? Are you okay? Right. Right. Just like, like, Jesus Christ, dad. I know. I know. And then you make them not okay with your fucking constant, you know, jabbing them. Are you okay? Um, but I'm in that moment where I, I, you know, you think, you think you know how to handle things, but you know. you you gotta sort of let it go trust trust their words and then also trust your instincts i'm not saying in any way that wilder has depression but you know he's just he gets moody he's a teenager it's just hard not to read it's you're reading into body language you yeah you you, you're also you're also reading body language and and you're 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 also getting a vibe off somebody and you're reading so much these days, you know, about children and mental health and ch- uh, children's suicide. And, you know, my mom has been, she has a foundation called Mind Up and she's been working on this thing for almost 20 years. So, you know, it's just about the mental health of children and how we're going to sort of fix that and, and implementing, you know, um, her program into the curriculums in school, which is a whole other conversation. But I've been, I've been around it and you're seeing this uptick in children's mental health issues and suicide. And and of course, you know, you're clicking on headlines all the time that are clickbaits, but at the same time, you're, 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 you're sort of seeing what's going on out there. So sometimes you're like, Oh shit, is my kid? Okay. I know we, we, I know the family's good and they has good parents, but I just want to make sure that like every screw is, is tightened in there. 
So you got to walk this line. I walk. I walk this line sometimes of okay. Well, let him be and don't 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 get on his ass so much. But at the same time, pay attention. You know, pay yep. attention to that. To won't go away. I mean, signs. I'm I'm that way with my girls, and I I because I I just live in fear of as you said it, it not being buttoned down as tight as I think it is from the mm-hmm. outside, and nobody knows what somebody's dealing with internally or what the thoughts are, what that voice is like in your head. But yeah, I, I I did one of those events for your mom, and if yeah. you want to get Goldie Hawn talking, bring up Mind Up and and what mm-hmm. just just taking basically, and this is a bastardization of what she's doing, but it's the best I got is taking a moment, uh, uh, even a period in in the normal school day, to stop and either meditate, do yoga. Whatever it is to bring peace in the hectic school day that that we all experienced, it's just a, a chance to implement these programs into these schools and into school systems that mm-hmm. I, I think really has value because I, these kids are, are bombarded with so many outside well, influences. Well, yeah, the other thing is they don't know why they feel the way they do sometimes, right? And so what her program does is it's, an edu- it's educational as well. It's not just about... It is about mindfulness and it is about breathing, you know, and taking control of your stress. But it's also understanding where it comes from, 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 um, you know, from an educational standpoint. So you learn about your amygdala, your prefrontal, prefrontal cortex. You understand why you are feeling these things, and when you do have that, that feeling of anxiety or stress or depression. You then understand, oh, wait, this is where it's coming from, and it makes it easier. You know, yeah. when you know, when, when you know something, you don't, it doesn't, you know, you don't stress about it as much. So exactly. That's, that's sort of the idea. And you can't just medicate or treat the result. You have to treat, you really have to go back and unwind it and treat the reasons why. Before you get to the result, which is depression, you what what is it? How how do you get back to that? Or understanding, like you said, the anatomy, and and how that works mm-hmm. inside uh, a human brain. So mm-hmm. there's such value in that, and I'm, I was I'm so proud that your mom is that dedicated to that man. If we could just get her contact to get mm-hmm. her on this show, yeah, you do know, you I, have her people's no, like, no, no, I've tried, I've tried, and. Uh, like if you had yeah, to talk I, I, to your mom right now, would yeah. you have to go through an intermediary? Yeah, so I'd probably call her agent at ICM. They would contact her <laughs> assistant. Her assistant <laughs> would they get in touch with me and right. then schedule a time. And usually her you know, her schedule's, you know, six weeks out. So I you know, every six weeks I schedule a meeting with her. Okay. Good. But it yeah. seems formalized. There's Paul Shear. Hey, everybody. Hey, if you like conversations with incredibly funny actors, go check out the Daddy Issues archives and listen to our conversation with comedian and actor Adam Sandler, where we discuss everything from raising daughters to mortality to Adam's relationship with his dad, being Kurt Russell's neighbor, and so much more. I remember I was in I was in the driveway with my dad, and I for no reason I said, were you ever with the... Anybody before mom? And he looks at me, he goes, you know, there was, uh, before your mother, I, uh, there was, there was a time where I, 
It, it, it was called practice. I practiced with a couple of women before I go, you did! And I was seen, and I was such a little baby, I started screaming, why? And I can't, and I left the car and I ran into the house and I was hugging my mother like, that's sick, man. <laughs> Paul, we were just talking about the fact that if Oliver needed to get in touch with his mom, mm-hmm. so we scheduled you, and thank God yeah. you, you were willing to come on the podcast, but if Oliver, if we tried to get Goldie Hawn as a guest, couldn't happen. Know, it couldn't happen because Oliver has to go through so many different intermediaries to get to his mother to actually mm-hmm. ask her because we've been doing this for you know damn near 50 episodes, and, and really nobody from his family has come on. <laughs> oh, I, I would say if I had a, if I if I had a a fifty layer buffer between me and my mom, it wouldn't be that bad of a deal. I, I <laughs> has your mom has your mom been on your podcast? Oh no 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 no. Uh, I try to uh, I try to keep her at at arm's reach in 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 the, the performing spaces and in life. Mm. I, I love it. But uh, yeah, I don't want to get her on mic or anything. Descri- describe wait, describe your mom. I, I want to hear this. I want to I want to see this through. Does, is she is she my all mom up in your business? Is she what? No, my mom that. is an incredibly uh, capable, smart uh, woman. She's seventy one years old. Uh, she ran multiple hospitals in New York City. She just came out here to L A. about a, two years ago. But um, she just is. Uh, the way I describe it with her is she's done her entire life by the book. Like everything is black and white. There's an answer for that. There's an answer for that. So when she's out here and she's kind of retired, there's a lot of questions, a lot, a lot of questions. And she also ran her car into a Burger King that, that, that was a recent, uh, that was a recent thing, (laughs) ran her car into a Burger King. And when asked why she said it was because the, uh, the the uh, the people who washed your car they they washed the uh, gas pedal too much like they they made oh, it too so slippery. she slipped yeah so I smell uh, lawsuit yeah I so, smell uh, lawsuit but no she's she's good it's just sort of like it's a million it's a million million questions all the time um, mm-hmm. and it's very basic but it's it's lovely it's lovely <laughs> well you know what you know what's interesting and I've said this before but you know the the only the, the time that I truly understood the love that my parents had for me is when I had kids. Right. Because that to me is unconditional love. When your children come into your life, of course you love your wife and you love your friends and family. And I'm only speaking for myself, right? Sure. But there's always conditions, right? I mean, there just always is. When the kid comes into the world, you're vulnerable and and it I'm not afraid to love them and be vulnerable with them and tell them how much I love them. There's, I don't, I don't risk anything, you know? And, and then I think about my mother and the way that she still loves me and, and, and all the times where I'm like, Jesus, mom, okay. But now I get it, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's, you know, when you have a kid, it's the only relationship that you have no fear of it ending, right? Like even if mm-hmm. they, abandon you you mm-hmm. will you know be there for them or that at least the the idea yeah you're right i mean there's something really interesting about that um and i get it yeah it's a very uh it's interesting in how to navigate the evolution of what a parent is as you get older too which is i think something that's always uh tricky 
to kind of figure out like where do you fall because at a, at a certain age you have to just be the provider and then you become like the authority figure and then as you get older you don't need those things so what does the relationship become but they'll always worry about you nonstop. i mean oh, it's crazy oh yeah i mean oh totally and it's so true i think you know, with, without getting into my entire situation, which I have a thousand times, but my dad sort of was, you know, he left when I was younger, dude, maybe 12 yeah. years old. He was out of my life. I had Kurt who raised me. But still, you know, there was always just a fear of loving and then getting annihilated again, you know, unconscious yeah. at the time. I've done plenty of work. But it, it's like what you said with your kids. You just don't have that. And it's the most freeing thing ever. You know, Absolutely. what about your relationship with your with your dad? Um, I have a great relationship with my dad. Uh, my dad is my parents were divorced uh, very mm-hmm. early on in my life. So my parents got divorced when I was about three years old. But the interesting thing about uh, that relationship was they hid it from me until I was five. Um, and the way that they did that was my dad would leave the house when I went to sleep and then get there before I got up. So every day he was creating this, or they were creating this idea that they didn't want me to feel like I was in a divorced household, I guess until about, you know, five, I, you know, to put this time in and kind of slowly transition me into it. Um, and so in that way, my, my dad, who was divorced from my mom, was very much a big part of my life and continued to stay that part of my life. So I was lucky in the sense that I would see my dad on like Tuesdays and Thursdays and then go over to his house on the weekends. And, you know, my parents had a good relationship with each other. So that was really nice. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's always like it was always a benefit, but also kind of tricky because they got along so well that I didn't understand why they weren't necessarily together. You know, um, and then my mom had gotten married to uh, another guy, actually two different guys. And, you know, then that brings a whole nother set of problems in too, because I think when you have, uh, you know. Like polygamy. Yeah, exactly. She cannot be married legally to two different guys. (laughs) Well, look, if you live in the right state, it all works out. Like, I'm a big fan of Sister Wives. I relate to it on many levels um, because I myself have four Sister Wives. Uh, But no, it's like, you know, it's, it's tricky because you bring another man in to a situation and it's like, oh, well, here is my ex and here's my kid. And, you know, and I, I think the, the first person my mom married had definite uh, insecurity issues. Like as I grow older now and I'm a parent, I look at that and I go, oh, that was handled badly. Uh, I think it's it was tricky because when you come in as a divorced or when you come in as a parent who is like now subbing in, right? Like you're going to be there. Like you have to kind of walk that line in an interesting way. And I feel like both of my stepfathers didn't necessarily do that. One was very much distant, like you come to me. And the first one was like, no, I am your dad. And I didn't need that. Mm. So that was tricky. Like, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about it the other day. Like my first stepdad made me call him dad. And I didn't realize how messed mm. up that was. Until really I was telling it to a friend the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, like it was never like a choice. It was just like I had to call this person dad. And that was weird. Mm. That's so interesting because I, I this is what it happened with me where, you know, there was a situation when my dad came to pick us up at the house. Kurt was in our lives and it didn't go well. And he stormed out and did not take us with him. 
And it was uh, a traumatic moment for my sister and I. And at the time, I don't even remember what we called Kurt, but we didn't call him dad and we didn't call him Kurt. I don't even know what the hell we called him. But he he had a little family meeting with us and he goes, okay, here, here's one thing. It's one thing is certain that whatever happens with your mother and I, I will always be in your life and I will make that commitment to you, number one. Number two, we got to figure out a name because you can't call me Kurt and you can't call me dad because I'm not your dad. So let's figure this out. And we came up with Pa. So we still to this day oh, call wow. him Pa. See, yeah. that's, and that was yeah. a communal decision. I like that. I, that's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which has always mm-hmm. freaked me out because you guys are like Hollywood royalty and you're calling Kurt Russell Snake Pliskin. You're calling him <laughs> Pa. Yeah. Like you're growing up in the middle of Kansas. Hey, Paul like, Pliskin. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Pliskin. I kind of feel like just Paul, tumbleweeds going through. But Paul hey. feels like a great name for Kurt Russell. Like I feel like if I'm looking at Kurt Russell, Paul, like I wouldn't like there is a he he has a gravitas that Paul like feels like a, a, a special thing. It's very much like a, was it Bonanza kind of a name? Like yeah. you know, it feels yeah. right. It feels of the, the of the earth. Yeah, it's like yeah. Well, it's funny you even say fucking Bonanza because his dad Bing Russell okay. played the sheriff on Bonanza. Oh, that- <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's how Hollywood these people are. You can basically it's 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 less than six degrees of separation from Pa. I mean, and, really, and you're it's gonna less be able than- to get there. Less than six degrees of separation from Bonanza. I think everybody can get to Bonanza in six degrees. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, but and last thing about Pa, what also has struck me is that your close friends and Kate's Kurt close friends call Kurt Pa. Yeah, it's sort of taken on a life, you know, everyone's Pa. He's just Pa now. That's great. Well, my, my wife, who inherited in essence, my teenage girls, when we got together, got married, was taught by her stepfather, the role of being a great step is knowing when to step in, knowing when to step back, knowing when to step up for someone, knowing when to just step out and get out of the way. And I, and, and that's what I, I thought about that, Paul, because if you're coming in, you know, like the first man that your mom married after your dad demanding that the kid call or that the, the kid call you dad that that's 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 an aggressive step to take that's something that should come either naturally or you do what Oliver and Kate and Pa did yeah i think it's just a tr- look there's no handbook on how to do it and i mm-hmm. think certainly we are in an age now where we are way more open and have these conversations and there are more resources. I, you know, this is happening probably in the eighties, you know, and, and in New York, not in a place that was like incredibly where I grew up, uh, cultural or anything like that. I was like, Oh no, uh, I married your mom. I'm your dad. Like, you know, it's like there was a certain thing. So I do think that kids nowadays get such a better, or I hope, uh, there's more possibilities open to them because I think there are people, there's, even if there's a book out there, it's better than where I feel like we were a long time ago. How did you, how did you go from your early childhood into, were you always funny? Were you always somebody that wanted to get up in front of other people and make them laugh? What, where, where do you think, I'm, I'm fascinated 
always a talking to people who make others laugh, especially on camera, how that happened and what how where you trace that back to where you said, I'm gonna stand on stage and and I'm gonna make people really enjoy their their time with me? Uh, well, I think like most people, whatever you get interested in is because you find some passion there, right? Like, like for me, I remember so clearly, I, this may be, this is dating me a hundred percent, but you know, back in the day when you would have cable, you would have a cable box, right? And you would have Mm -hmm. to turn the dial on the cable box to get to the different channels. And that meant that some channels were not clear, and uh, but you could still kind of hear them. And when I was a kid, I would sneak downstairs and put on the HBO channel. And if you just kind of maneuvered the knob just a little bit, you would get oh, like yeah. a slightly less blurry image. Um, <laughs> and you'd have to kind of like straddle that that knob. And that's when I saw Eddie Murphy's red suit, delirious stand-up Dude. special. And I... Remember, like, all the lights off in my parents' house, like, crying with laughter. Now, probably part of it was, like, I was doing something that felt, like, uh, you know, illegal. And and probably there's other kids at this point who are doing that to the Playboy channel. I'm literally, like, using it. That would be That would be for other stuff on the Scramble channel. I was up there working that dial, like, oh, my God, I saw something. (laughs) Yeah, yes, I I I, I, Me too. I narrowly avoided the porno industry because of that. (laughs) So, yeah, I was while everyone else was uh, doing that, I was watching Eddie Murphy in a red suit and being like, this is the funniest thing. And and my dad, you know, my dad was a really great entry point into comedy. Like he would tape Saturday Night Live every Saturday night. And then on Sunday morning when I would get up, we would watch it with breakfast. And it was like so fun. Like so, you know, I just felt like I was a part of this thing. Nick at night was playing Saturday Night Live. So in my whole upbringing it was like i loved that like and i grew up with like the billy crystal christopher guest you know oh eddie murphy like, I, like that version of the cast was like kind of and then and then as i got older like when i got like you know like high school it was like adam sandler and farley and all those people so um so yeah i just like that was my absolute passion i didn't think about doing anything more than that i would make radio shows in my bedroom like literally you know, just host a radio show, you know, and cut the clips and music. But again, I didn't think there was any outlet for it. And then when I was going to uh, college, my girlfriend at the time was taking an art class and she was like so fulfilled by her art class. And I was going to NYU. So I was in New York and, and, uh, and she was like, oh yeah, I just love this art class. And I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to do something. I want What can I do that's creative? And I'd done like, high school shows and stuff like that. And I found this uh, place called Chicago City Limits. And Chicago City Limits was this improv place that I saw when I was back in high school. And I was so blown away by that. And I just got involved in this improv scene in New York. And then the world started to kind of open up to me. But again, I was going to school. I had no idea of like pursuing it. And then the UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade, came to town and I started seeing them and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I just kept on kind of doing it on the side with no, because everybody I was around, they weren't doing it professionally. It was like, oh, the biggest person that I knew at the time had gotten a commercial. So there was no thought like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to then turn into this. And I wasn't doing stand up. 
So I kind of like fell into it ass backwards in a way. Like I kind of fell into it in a way where I just kept on feeling like I want to take a class. I want to meet these people. I want to get in. And I just happened to get involved in all these places very young and, uh, and early on. And then this made all these connections and, and got to this place, but it wasn't like, I want to be on SNL and everything I'm doing is working towards SNL. It was like, I love this. It makes me laugh. I make my friends laugh or I make my videos. I do all this sort of stuff, but I had no real idea of how to like execute that. And I toiled mm-hmm. with it a little bit, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how, I mean, it's a very, not, you know, compact version of it, but that's basically it. Just like really, you know, goes, go from doing like shows at Thanksgiving in front of like the Thanksgiving table where I was literally taking David Letterman monologues and Jay Leno monologues and performing that as my own material to then, you know, get wow. then, then really graduating <laughs> NYU, graduating, graduating at Carnegie Hall and racing off that stage to run down, uh, downtown to like 17th street to do, uh, an improv show like that night. I was more excited about my improv show than, graduating at NYU and that's kind of it's so great it's just yeah. it's passion I mean it's yeah. just it's just pure 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 passion and I think you know? because I mean, I, they didn't know that there was any end game it was almost more yeah. like it wasn't like it wasn't like I'm doing this to get to that to do this it's sort yeah. of everything kind of fell in my lap in a nice way um yeah, yeah. do you still operate like that you know I know you're in a, a play a different place now you have you yeah. know you have success you have celebrity you have some fame you have some money do you still operate at that base level of you know just pure passion or do you have to be calculated now that we're in this crazy fucking business I think you have to always operate from passion because I agree this business is bizarre it's weird but if you spend your whole time like looking at other people's paper and you look at you know what even is going on in our like industry world, whatever it's like, you will drive yourself crazy because you are not that person. And I think you can only find the thing that clicks with you because you can, I found this so many times, like you can do the thing that you think you should be doing. And that doesn't necessarily bring you any success, right? You could also do something that's amazing. Yeah. It could, you could do something amazing that no one sees and that doesn't bring you any success. Like, and there's so many factors that work out. Like for, for example, like you just saw like at the golden globes, like Ted, uh, Ted Lasso, everyone's talking about Ted Lasso. Now there is a world where no one talks about Ted Lasso, but whatever it is, that show, it kicks in in a moment where people all get on it. Shit's Creek is a perfect example. That show was on for like yeah. seven years. And then all of a yeah. sudden the pandemic hits and everyone's like, oh, what? Shit's Creek. And then it wins everything. So you never know. So I just think you have to just, it's not enough to like, if you equate like success by, uh, excess, su- success by like how people respond to you, you're going to drive yourself nuts because mm-hmm. it's so hard to judge like what is popular, what people deem as popular. But if you judge success by like you being fulfilled by what you're doing, I think you're going to live a better, healthier life. I'm not saying that it's always easy to do that, but I mean, yeah. you know, I think that's the goal. And I, I, when I first started my career, it was always kind of doing the things that I wanted to do. Uh, but again, like stupidly, not calculatedly, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward though till now, okay? Because this is a, you know, I guess not an issue that I have. Life has been great. My career has been great. Have I done things that are like really creatively fulfilling? I mean, not really, not yet, you know? Right. And I'm 44 and I've been, I, I consider myself to be very successful in yeah. the TV movie business. But now that you have children, 
okay? Yeah. Yes, passion always has to have a, pl- a play in it. But do you have to put food on the table? Because I find myself sometimes thinking, okay, I, I, I might not necessarily want to do this, but I, I have to keep it going. You know, I, I have to make some money. I have to maintain my lifestyle. I have to do this. I mean, how much sacrifice creatively do you have to make for your kids and for your family? That's a good question. Um, I think it's or a balance. Or have you even gotten to that point yet? Yeah. You know? No, I think it's a balance. I'm very lucky to have... Uh, a wife who is also in this business and also is uh, successful in this business. So there are points in in both of our careers where we may not have, you know, a money gig, right? We may have something that we're doing that may lead to a money gig. And, um, but we can balance each other out. Um, I've been lucky that, look, I've had highs and lows. I've, I've My oldest kid is six years old. And my youngest is four. So I have these two boys and they're great. And right now I'm going through something actually really hard with them because my wife got this movie in Canada. And because of COVID, I don't have a work permit, so I'm not allowed in Canada. So I couldn't go to Canada. And even if I did go to Canada, I'd have to quarantine for 14 days. So I couldn't do that because I'm shooting Black Monday right now. So right now for the first time ever in our lives, I've been away from my kids for like me, like like 15, 16 days at this point, which is the longest I've Ooh. ever been away from my kids in my entire <laughs> That's life. That's a long time. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's a world in which I won't see them until April 14th. There's also a world where they come back earlier, but in that world, then my wife is alone in Canada with like literally nothing there because she can't go out. She can't, you know, you can't, you're, you're stuck in this kind of quarantine hole so we're trying to balance that. So our whole lives are always about balancing out and making sure that we are taking care of each other. And whether that's financially, whether that is emotionally and physically, and, but balancing the kids and and doing all this sort of stuff, it, it's hard because this is the first time where if it was normal and there was no COVID, I'd be able to go to Canada and come mm-hmm. back and see the kids and do everything. But right now, um, we're kind of stuck in this thing. So I think we have to like, we have to understand like, all right, you need to see the kids now. We need to send the kids back. Um, Mm -hmm. but you need them to like, it's, so there's always this balance. You're right. So it's a sacrifice of maybe she doesn't take that job the next time, or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe what I do is I, if I'm not working, I go with her. Like when she was shooting a long shot, we were in Montreal and, um, I went with her to Montreal with the kids and the nanny and we all went and it was amazing. It was an amazing, it was a hard time. Actually, it wasn't an amazing Mm -hmm. time. We were in an apartment, um, and uh, it was small. It was freezing cold out. Uh, and she was working 14-hour days, you know, five days a week, you know, Fridays that go into Saturday morning. So she's kind of even gone out on Saturday because she's still tired from Friday. So it was really, really hard. But as a family, we made that kind of sacrifice because I could be there. And I mm-hmm. left to go on tour and I left to go do, at that point, the disaster artist was getting like, going to do all the rounds on the awards circuits. I was leaving. But it was... We have to balance that at all times. And and you're right. Like there's certain times where you are psyched because you get a, a quick money gig and it's not for something mm-hmm. bad. But I think that both of us protect each other from taking something that we really wouldn't want to take, uh, it, you know, be, just to put food on the table. And I think, look, mm-hmm. it may come to that and that may be uh, another conversation. But I think we really try to protect each other. Be like, don't worry about it. 
this will be okay. You can say no to that, or you can say yes to that. And if that makes sense, I know mm-hmm. it's a very long winded yeah, answer. Yeah, no, but- totally. It does, and and I think the other side of it is it, it it is a benefit, and and I'm in the same situation with my wife. When your wife understands what the business yes. requires of you, and and so. I have that. I'm in sports broadcasting. My wife's in sports broadcasting, a different corner of it. You know, when when you have those common experiences and you, she knows the stress is on you, you know the stress is on her. It takes so much of the angst out of the whole equation that that you can kind of really stay focused on each other. Are you are you pretty good at turning all the business off, being quiet, being locked into her? her into you while you've got so many people pulling at you to to perform or to you know to to rehearse to do all these other things that require extra time are you good at being able to kind of taking a time out for each other my wife is great at it and i'm so thankful for having an amazing uh wife who is like she can shut all that stuff out i actually think and not to whatever i i don't think it's sexist to say but i think women are better at just going like now we're here and now we're doing this. And like, and she has really instilled in me, um, and again, I have two young kids, uh, this family time. Like at five o'clock, we are, or 5.30, if we're not working on set, family time has begun in our house and it will go until- Put the phone down. I mean, you, yeah. you could be on your, with your business, with her business, yeah. you could be on the phone all night if you Ex- wanted to be. And so we, at five, 5.30, Phones are down. We're doing dinner. We're playing a game. We're doing a bath time, bed story, whatever. We're doing that that run, you know. And that's we we keep that kind of area sacred. Look, we've had a year essentially being in our house too. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but we keep that time really sacred for each other. And the morning too. I think until nine a.m. Again, when we're not shooting, until nine is like, hey, we're running around. We're getting the kids ready. We're doing, you know, we're getting them dressed. We're getting the food. Or they're out the door. What or <laughs> when they were out the door. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. but you know, uh when I should say when our nanny comes at 9. But um but yeah, so we try to block those times out the weekends. We really it's look, we both have a lot of things on our plate, but my wife has really instilled in me that idea and I have to say like now that the kids have been gone and and June has been gone for 15 days, I got to say that being alone for the first time in a long time mm. has actually shown me what that does for my mental state, having that family time, it actually makes me a better person. Like, I feel like mm. it calms me down. It relaxes me. It is like a moment to, to stop. Cause I think when I'm not in that zone, I don't stop. I'll just keep on going. And then all of a sudden it's 11 mm-hmm. o'clock at night and I've eaten dinner, but I'm, you know, watching a basketball game, but I'm doing like, but I'm not like, I'm not stop. I'm working. I'm like, I'm not really enjoying anything. I'm just kind of like continuing to work, 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 and just go through it. And so I'm really appreciative of that. And that kind of just built into me. So yeah, she she really is phones down, let's be together, connect in. And uh yeah. And that, you know, and, and and even in our car, like when we're driving, she will not like she has to drive because that's her thing. And so I'm often the passenger. And when I when I am the passenger, like I'm not allowed on my phone. And I feel like that's actually a good thing too. Like so it's sort of like we are to get like we are together. And those and car trips with my wife are probably the the highlight of any time because we really are completely cut off from everything and it's the best. Mm. 
Do you do you meditate? I know you practice. I, yeah, TM I try. For a while, I, but I you try still do to. It? I try to. I, yeah. I, I really a lot of that stuff. I know how to. I like to. Yeah. But the idea of like taking twenty minutes at the top and the bottom of a day with kids, I'm like, oh no, you know, and work out, oh, and do work, and do. But like, my God, isn't geez. it weird though how hard it is? Because look, I've been I've been on and off meditating for a long time, and when I get consistent, I know how amazing it is. Yes. I know how amazing it can make me feel, and how you know, even starting the day with it, I'm like, holy shit, I feel good. I'm ready yeah. to go. But there's that fucking block, and and it's not that we can't make. 10 minutes in our day because I'm making 10 minutes for a thousand other things. I'm surfing the internet yeah, for 10 minutes easily. Yeah, but I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, dude, just go sit down and do it. Yeah. But I, there's a resistance, you know, that I don't even know where the hell that comes from. No, I think, you know, I feel like the thing that I'm always dealing with is my schedule is not set. Like today, right now I'm here with you, but that's not, you know, my 10 a.m. is different every day wherever I am. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like, and I think I really appreciate people who, really carve out time. Like I heard David Lynch and obviously he's like the guru of meditation, but you know, like he does a thing where like on his sets there are, okay, when we're shooting, this is going to be this downtime. We're going to have it. It's going to happen. I think it's like once is after lunch, but it's, it's blocked out. It's in the schedule. It's like, and I Mm. think being aware of that time and being respectful of that time. And that's a hard thing that I have to do with my own thing. Like, which like I will, I will, not make time for me. I will make sure that I'm here for you at the time that you guys need me to be here. But I won't necessarily show up if I said, oh, what at 10 a.m., I'm going to take 10 minutes and meditate. I'm like, well, I, you know what I'll do? I'll do this first, and then I'll go over here, and then I'll do that. And then I've lost it, and it's 1230. Be- and because there's something inside you. I, at least there is in me. I, yeah. I remember talking to my therapist, talking about refilling my prescription and having to actually go get another script to get my prescription for this uh antidepressant that I take. Yeah. And I said, I know, I just keep putting it off, putting it off. So I went through a stretch where I wasn't really taking it. She's like, why Why do you think you do that? If, if it was for your kids, you'd run through the wall yeah. to get that refilled right away. First thing you would do. But for yourself, you're willing to just kind of kick that can down the street and eventually you'll get to it. At some point, you have to get over the idea that taking care of yourself that's not being selfish. That's that's building right. yourself up. And and I feel like that sometimes I, I get to that where I'm like, you know, if I do this for me, I'm really cheating other people. Maybe that's narcissism. Maybe that's because I think I'm so valuable to everybody else that I'm I'm not gonna take a time out. They need me so badly. And yet that's not the case. And and you should really take care of yourself as much as you're trying to take care of everybody else. It it's a lesson that I think I'm learning and and constantly trying to work on you know i think you know it's so easy to fall into the trap especially as a dad um Mm -hmm. or you know where you are constantly taking care of somebody else and then Mm -hmm. you can almost take pride in that care for someone else and there's no there's no shame in also making time for yourself. I think the thing I've learned about myself and it's the more messed up thing about the way I think about stuff is like, I can only earn relaxation. I can only earn these things. So like that, right. you know, so it's like, oh, if I've done <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and, and so I'm always constantly putting myself off. Did I get it? Did I do it? Lena Dunham said this one thing that I really love. And I think about it all the time where she's like in this business, in this world, in this life, 
and I'm paraphrasing greatly here, uh, we have to be comfortable and we have to understand that we're not going to get everything that we need to get done, done. And you got to go to bed just knowing that and not feeling bad about it. And I feel like that's like a pressure that, um, like I'm trying to get over too. It's like, yeah, I don't like, just because it's not done doesn't mean I can't go and do something else. You know, like I can, like sometimes you got to let things sit and, and make those carve out those moments for breaks, for time, for mental health. Even if it's like, again, like watch a movie, watch a TV show, like give yourself these moments because you'll come back more refreshed. And that's what meditating is to a certain degree. It's like, check it all out and then come back. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it's the pyramid scheme. It's the top of the pyramid, right? I mean, we're at the top and and then everything, everything, everything trickles down. So if we're at our best, if we're at 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 our optimum, then our relationship is better with our wife. Then our then our the way we parent is better. Everything is better if yeah. we are better at the top. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Oh, that yeah, that's I, the I age old that. that's the age old, you know, tired line that therapists give you about it's the same as being on an airline when they say put your mask on before you assist your kids, <laughs> yeah. because you need to be at your best to to be to take care of your kids. It's just hard to do. And I think most people that are successful that are wound tight, and I'm certainly wound tight. I sense you are, Paul. Oliver isn't. But most people that are wound tight have to get everything done. And and, and I I admire Oliver's ability to to not be as stressed out as I am. I wish I could be less stressed. I can't accomplish it. If, if If there are emails on my phone, they all have to get... I have to see yeah, zero emails at the end of the day, or I'm like a lunatic going to sleep. That that's how tightly wound I am. I where are you on that spectrum, Paul? You know, I think I'm 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 probably edging. I'm I probably am more on your side, edging to where Oliver is. That's why that you know, like that's my goal is to kind of get to just get myself to not um, to not be like to not judge myself based on what I've accomplished or what I'm doing. Right. Because I, I think I was had this thought the other day and I, a lot of this has been put in perspective in this last week or two weeks because of, I've been alone. So it's like, I think there's always this mm. idea. And again, I, because I have young kids, I'm still in the fresh part of it where I'm like, Oh man, you know, if I, not that if I didn't have kids, I'm not like, I don't wish that, but I'm like, oh, but I, I can't get all this stuff done. But now I don't have kids right now. Like, I mean, I have them, but they're not physically or yeah. not any of those obligations. And I'm still not getting everything done. And I'm almost finding that I was more productive in those eight hours a day when I'm at home and not on set where I'm like, this is my time to work. And then that's it. And then I'm putting it on the side. And that kind of was really eye opening to me because I'm like, well, what if I like, I could work all day and all night and I'll get everything done. And guess what? I'll wake up in the morning and there'll be a bunch of new things to do the next day. So it's like, well, like it's a race that never ends. So like, why am I ra- like, all right, yeah, I'll do a little bit and I'll get back and, you know, do the things that are important. Keep on leading, leading, leading with what, you know, what's in front of you. That's what I try now. I'm trying that. I'm trying to get to that point. No, I know. It, it, look, I, me personally, you know, I, I wish I was the other, a little bit more of the other because I, I feel like. I'm a well of of untapped potential, you know, just right. because I live a weird deathbed scenario where what what am I going to remember when I'm surrounded by the loved ones in my yeah. life and it's my time to go? Am I going to remember 
a Golden Globe or an Oscar or a movie or a TV show I did, a lot of people will, and that's fine. But for me, I just that's not what's most important to me, you know. But at the same time, I stress about, you know, staying in the mix and, you know, trying to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't work hard enough. I, I feel like I've got a lot of talent that has yet to even be, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I feel like I think I can do. Well, <laughs> I, here's what, here's what I, this is what I'll say too, going back to what you brought up originally, like the idea of like passion, mm-hmm. why I am overwhelmed with the work that I have to do is because I get involved in too many things. I am mm. too excited to work on too many things. So um, I look at my wife and my wife will be incredibly focused. Right now she is working on a show. She is on a show, uh, but she's working on a show. And that's her two things. I'm working on a show, I'm working, you know, I'm writing, and then, then I'm also on a show. Me, I'm like, okay, I got a Twitch thing I want to be doing. I'm writing a show. I have an animated thing I want to be doing. I have this other thing that I'm like trying to get done. I, I think I want to write these essays. I'm on that. I'm making sure that I get like, you know, I'm I'm doing all <laughs> like I got these podcasts. And so like everything I you want have to be doing. Podcast. Don't you have multiple podcasts. Don't you have multiple podcasts? Two and, of them. Yeah. So it's like, so I get so my my issue is. I live a buffet, a buffet life, uh, you know, in the sense of like, I'm like, oh, I want to try that and that and that and that. And I don't feel overwhelmed by what I have because I want to do it all. But it's still I, I still have to eat it all or, you know, or some level, you know, it's like I, I've, I've put all that stuff on my plate. It's all on my plate and it's all my fault. And my wife is really good at, you know, not overwhelming herself with that. And I, I look to that. But that's the hard thing about following the passion and sort of because there could be a world where I'm just like, no, no, I'm doing this now. And I look at a lot of my peers who are like, no, no, that's my job. And now I'm done with that job. And now I'll look for my next job and then I'll do that job. Mm-hmm. And then, and maybe there's an insecurity there where I have to have like 12 different things going on at once to put food on the table, to mm-hmm. feel like I'm in the mix, to feel like I'm a productive. But it's also all those things as somebody who I create and and, and do all this sort of stuff where um, it actually fuels me when I'm doing too little of things. I get depressed. Like, oh, I want to be doing more. Mm-hmm. So, it's finding that balance. And and and, mm. and I know it's you know I, I, you're right. Like, I, I it's also like remembering what you want to do too. If you're enjoying this episode of Daddy Issues, don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend about Daddy Issues and go subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned, folks. You're not going to want to miss the rest of our conversation with Paul Shear coming right up after this break. Are you conscious of how your kids perceive you? I know they're young. Yeah. you know what I mean? Are you conscious yeah. of that, or, or or are you, or do you do you parent off of off of more of an instinct, or are you calculated in like, okay, I want to be, I want to be looked at as as this kind of a person, you know, by my kids, or are you just like, you know what, I'm gonna be myself, and they're gonna have to sort of grow up with with who I am. My only goal with them is to be a good dad that is truly 
there for them. And I mean that in every single way, like, you know, uh, yeah, what's physically, a good dad? emotionally. Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that, and like, so I'm always, I'm always trying to engage now, not to say that I am nailing that at all times, but I want to like, I want to foster what they're involved in. I want to listen to them. I want to hug them. I was on a movie uh, that Harold Ramis directed called Year One, and Harold Ramis, one of the best, the best, uh, oh you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, just like he's, a comedy god. And yeah. one of the things I looked up to that I saw when he was on set was he had his sons on set, and they were older. You know, I, I would say like maybe like they're like college age, and he had such a physically affectionate relationship with them. Mm. And I was like, oh wow, what I wouldn't give for that like I want to be a dad like, and this is way before I had kids but there was something that was so nice to be like oh he can still have that and I think I'm I'm always thinking about that as far as my kids too like being physically affectionate with them making sure that they you know um, like I, I just want to keep those like uh, as much as I can I mm. want them to feel safe comfortable and confident in me and and keep this love going in a, in a good way. Like, you know, I, I feel like maybe I'm not that physically affectionate with my parents. I love them and I have great relationships with them, but I'm like, like we're not one to hug or anything like that. And it's so odd because mm-hmm. my want is to, to kind of do that, you know, it's, but there it's just mm-hmm. a little bit more awkward. So I, I really try to, <laughs> you know, like that's in my head too, I guess, you know, Well, have you, have you, have you, have you heard of the book, the five love languages? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we, I, I do another podcast with my sister and Dr. Gary Chapman. He wrote the book. We had yeah, him oh, on wow. because we just love that. Yeah. It, you know, there's books that I didn't realize that he's written sort of, you know, other than the five languages of love, but same, same concept, but pertaining to children. Oh, and I got, I got the book and it's so interesting and it's so easy to connect the two, but I just never did. I always thought, oh, this is in the romantic version right. or, or yeah. with your partner. It's the same with children. Like our kids have a way that they, that they want to be loved and that they love and they might not be conscious of it yet. But when I read the book, I'm like, oh, my God, it opened up my eyes to my own children. Yeah. You know, like Wilder, my oldest, is my sensitive boy. And, um, you know, he's a little squirmy when, when, he, when he's physical, right? He, he likes to cuddle, but it's on, almost on his terms when he comes, you know, and grabs me. But, you know, when I grab him sometimes, like, he's, he accepts it, but he gets a little squirmy. You know, whereas whereas my my middle kid Bodhi is just all about love, and and Rio is kissy and this this and that, but they have their love languages as well. You know what I mean? Which is so weird. No, you're that's I didn't. Yeah, that's kind of blowing my mind now because I'm seeing it in my own two kids, and my my kids are like I was realizing again. You know, I'm putting a lot through this lens of the 15 days they've been gone, but it's actually been really helpful to kind of isolate some things because when I get on Facetime with my kids. I interact with them uh, in very different ways. Like it's mm-hmm. so, and you know, it's like it's, and they're not that far apart in age, but it's like, oh, I know that this is going to be the way that he, my youngest will actually be on the phone with me because he will not be mm-hmm. on the phone with me. We can't like chat. And my <laughs> oldest, um, you know, like we have very distinct ways. And it's like, and once I figured that out, once I kind of cracked that, because when they're at home, it's easier. We're just fooling around. We're, yeah. you know, but yeah. you have to kind of carve out this time. And I was really like kind of amazed at that. I was like, oh, wow, these are like once I cracked my youngest, I was like, I felt so good. I was like, oh, now I know mm-hmm. how to do this. I know how to talk to my and it made me feel great. 
And I feel like he now wants to talk on the phone a lot, but I'm like, but it, it, it was trying to figure out what he needed from that interaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, I'm, no. I'm impressed. And, and I want a show of hands. And there are three people whose cameras are on right now. <laughs> uh, of anybody who's actually read an entire self-help parenting or love book front to back every word and no. highlight no i mean can can you get through the whole thing i i, I start have, them and I, I have, have the I have best intentions but you see, i have I'm, the best intentions you see i am this is where i'm the tightly wound person like i can't not finish a book i'm like God, uh, I don't know. I've made this commitment to this book. And then I'll, uh, and only lately have I been able to like give that up. So I've read like the four agreements. I've read uh, love languages. I read the secret. I've read um, yeah. the Gilbert How about, book. Uh, uh, Untethered f- Soul. I've not read that. Read that one. You'll dig that. I've tried. I'm. I'm actually. I've been trying to get out of self help books and love books because I'm like. I'm feeling like. <laughs> then I'm like. Oh, I gotta think about this. Like I read that GTD book, like getting things done. I'm like, I got. And sometimes it get me. Like I started reading all these books that were all about making my life better. I'm like, fuck, I can't. I'm gone. Like I like. I need to like actually like live my life and read a book that's like a fiction book or give me about a murder. Or something. Yeah, I, I, something. yeah. Daniel Silva, great fiction, yeah. good stuff, great characters. Go there, go there for a little bit. I feel like every time I get into a self-help book and I'm, I'm like one chapter and I'm like, man, I am, this is, I am going to come out of this a bigger, yeah. better, stronger, more well-rounded <laughs> totally. human being. And I get to like chapter three and then I start looking at the person's picture on the back and I'm uh, like, is this the, this is, do I want to have lunch with this guy? He might be fucking <laughs> insane. And I'm, I'm reading every word like it's written in the Bible. And I, I don't know if the guy's good. I don't know if I'm coming it's out like of this It's like these better. people who teach screenwriting classes. All these people. Here's this, here's this tip. Here's the secret to success. And it's like, well, yeah. it, well, is this class being taught by like Aaron Sorkin? It's not. Well, like, if you it's have, Sorkin, like, you know, I'm all in. Like my daughter's a junior at USC yeah. at film school. She's all in on the master class taught by Aaron Sorkin. I'm like, yes, that's, that's the one. Least, yeah, Go to know, that like, one. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and like I think, but I think there's a part of it too, which is like these books serve to just give you a motivation to start thinking like it we need like a little bit of a kick so i feel like yes do i remember can i quote to you four agreements no but i remember love languages do i remember everything about no but it's like it's like these little chunks that we can use to help like reframe things but i know that there's like a Mm -hmm. service now like a book service which i'm like i should get this it's like five minute versions of all those books they take all those books and they compact it so it's like cliff notes (laughs) down to it so it's like all right what is the book here it is it's like the cliff notes of the cliff notes yeah somebody just read it incredibly fast just get it out See what you get out of it well yeah, yeah and it's and i think what you know we can spend so much time we can spend so much time constantly reframing our own lives and at a certain point we have to live our lives and learn from it and 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 you know what and we're not there's no perfect way to live there's no right way to do it like i think we are open to we should be open to criticism we should be open to uh we should be open to apologizing we should be open to all these things and just live our lives and i feel like sometimes i well that's for me i got overwhelmed by I'm not doing it the right way. How do I do it the right way? And it's like, well, but the right mm-hmm. way for me is that the right way for you? And and I, yeah. And once I started, and this is actually something really important too that I feel like I learned and I'm getting better at it. I've not fully eradicated it, but I'm stopping. I'm not judging people anymore 
by what I would do or how I am. Like, so if people mm-hmm. are not productive, for example, if I'm on a, if I'm running a show and I'm in the middle of something and I have one writer who I'm like, why the fuck did he stay up until two in the morning and do that thing? I would mm-hmm. be upset with that person. And that wouldn't come out because I'm too passive. It wouldn't come out angrily, but I would be like <laughs> disappointed in that person. And, and instead what I've kind of realized is, oh, just because I would stay up until two in the morning doesn't mean that, that somebody else should. And I have to now understand like when that person will be productive and like feed into that person instead of my version of me on that person, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And that's been mm-hmm. like the biggest thing that, you know. I'm oh, well, to... well, by the way, that, that, that relates to parenting too. Right. I mean, everyone does it so differently and you just have to reserve judgment because there is no right way to do it. You know what I mean? You, you, and, and, but you, you're constantly worried about it. You're like, shit, am I doing this right? Fuck, I don't know. I mean, do you concern yourself with that? Do you wonder if you're being the, the good parent? Or the right, or are you doing it correctly? Or if there isn't even is a way to do it correctly? Well, yeah. So, like, to me, I always say with June and I, if you give us a task, like, get X done, we will both get X done. But the way that we got there is completely different. And, mm-hmm. the, and we will both look at each other and go, you did it wrong. Like, you know, like on some <laughs> level. And so that, oddly, going back to what I was saying, was a big part of it, going like, you're going to be in charge of this. And when you're in charge of that, I'm wiping my hands. I'm going to follow your lead. And then when I'm in charge of something, you wipe your hands and let me be in the lead. And so what we try mm-hmm. to do is it's co-parenting in the sense of, all right, you want me to get them out of the house? I will get them out of the house by 12.05. Just let me do it my way. Mm-hmm. And don't yeah. side coach me and don't look over and be like, why isn't X done? Why, why isn't done? Like, I will get it. Just know I will get it. I have my own way of doing things. And that's, and I think we both have those alpha tendencies. So you're right. Like I, I look to her and I'm like, well, I wouldn't do it that way. But now I shut yeah. my mouth and I just go like, well, she's okay. leading that charge. But, but what yeah. about this? What about consistency? You know, I know when they're young, it doesn't really matter. Like my wife used to take, when we went out with the infants, when they were babies, she, it took it took 10 hours to get out, out of the house of because course. she yeah. needed diaper bags and this. And in case there was a tornado, we had like a portable shelter. I mean, it yeah. was, she had crazy shit. And when I left the house, I had a diaper in my back pocket, maybe some A&D, maybe some A&D ointment. Yeah. And then I just bail. Right. Right. But when they get older and it comes to sort of how you parent and you're getting to that age now where it's six and four where it's you're like, okay, well, how are we going to shape these kids in a way that what about consistency when your wife has one way of doing it and and you do? Well, I think that I think that the overall like what we want them to do is the same. Right. So Mm -hmm. like we're the, the 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 parenting is. Like the goal is the same. The way we get there is different. Like she might have a different way to motivate them than I do, but Mm -hmm. we are still like, and so I think that it's not about like, it's not like, oh, I'm the one who lets them watch TV and she's the one who's like, you got to read. We both are going to have them read, but the way we're going to get them to read is going to be different. So got it. I, I think that like, I hope that that's what we're doing the right way, but we are on like, we are on the same page about what we do and do not want them to do. And that to me is the most important thing because it's sort of like, we know, like we've agreed, we're not doing that. We are doing mm-hmm. this. And there might be times where, you know, 
like they'll be like, can I have this ice cream sandwich after dessert? And and June's like, well, ask your father. And I'll be like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Or and I'll we'll throw it back and forth. But but for the major issues, we know where we stand, and I'm sure it's gonna get mm-hmm. more challenging too. Um, but we are different people. Like we're gonna. I can't expect her to parent like me. I can't expect her to like get them out of the house the way I would. But mm-hmm. you know, once we're in the car, they got their backpacks, they got their books, they're wearing shoes, and we're off. Mm-hmm. We're off to the races. Do your kids know what you're what you do? You know what uh, your mom do? Yes. But I don't know exactly of how that translates. Like I was on Yo Gabba yeah. Gabba and my youngest was like watching it and like freaked out. I was like, whoa. And then it's a sort of like, <laughs> oh, you know this character. Like you know them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know them. So it's like, but I don't know if like, I, I don't, they're on camera all the fucking time now. Like these kids like with the face apps and the things it's like, so I think like yeah. seeing them on the phone or making videos of themselves and then seeing the TV, it's like, well, this is the same. Oh yeah. As opposed to how, as opposed to how I grew up, which go back to 1971, and I'm two, and my dad's doing a sporting event on TV. I thought my dad was stuck inside the TV. That's we, you know, there were no right, phones. Yeah. There were no in that regard. And it's like, why, mm-hmm. why? Why is my dad stuck in that little window? And now you're right. I, I mean, my kids are so I've got older kids and now and younger kids, the two and a half year olds. They're swiping on phones. They, I mean, they get the whole idea. Oh of yeah, the, the whole they're, mechanism. Are they on they, tin, They're on Tinder already. They're, they're on Tinder. They swipe right. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, no, I can no, only imagine what you're yes. dealing with. Like, what are you dealing with on that level? I know you like, uh, like the idea of like people that they're dating, how they're bringing, oh, up, like you know, all that kind you of stuff. Boys, and, wait. Uh, you see, like oh, that. See, my, my, so I have two older girls, two little boys, and the two older girls are with two of the best human beings. Amazing. I, if I handpicked a person for each one of them, this is who it would be. Oh, that's great. And, and that's, it wasn't always that way. I mean, and well, that's what, oldest, like, how was that when it wasn't always that way? Oh, my God. I mean, it's, but you can't get involved. <laughs> I mean, how many times was I right. with somebody oh, that I shouldn't God. have? That wasn't good for me, or or didn't bring out the best in me. My my favorite story that I ever heard about Obama, it, it's so perfect. So Obama is doing some sort of photo op, and they bring in a family, and it's you know a mom, a dad, the daughters, and the daughters' boyfriends. They all get there, they take the picture, and then Obama says, "Guys, get out." The two boyfriends. He's like, "Take another picture." He's like, "Just in case." And I loved like, <laughs> and I love that idea. Like it was such a great, like it was such a great like dad moment of also knowing yeah. like you're gonna want this picture forever, and these guys may not be there. So let's give you two. Let's give you two options. Smart. Oh my god. Well, Smart. my my youngest dates a, a kid who plays in the NHL. Who again? I love like a son. Yeah. And I have a jersey of his that he sent me like as a thank you for something and like do i the minute i frame this and put this on the wall yeah it's over they're, yeah you're done I, break up. i'm dooming yeah. their relationship yeah if i f- go to the expense of like shadow boxing this thing and putting it on the wall it's done you get, so you got, I, yeah. it's just sitting there <laughs> and if if they ever do end up getting i i will have that framed if they are together but even then I mean, even I then, know I don't it's know. hard. It's hard. And then you, but then the question is, why not enjoy it now? And that's kind of my issue too. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, and not like, this is the thing that we wrestle with at all times. Like 
that was a beautiful thing that he did. He sent you that thing. You feel proud right. of him. You want to have this thing. I you know. want to put it up. But you're like, but I don't because I don't want to jinx it. I don't. And I believe me, I'm in your same boat. <laughs> I mean, and it's insane. It's nuts. It's nuts. I, should, I can't think that way. I have nothing to do with anything. But with, it's with like, but it's like the same reason. Like I, I would buy clothes, or when I was a kid, we would go buy clothes, and it was ingrained in me. When we'd go to Macy's, we'd buy like a whatever a sweater or a shirt, and. When we get home, my mom would be like, now we're going to save this for a good occasion. Like, right. you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like just put it on. My wife is a person who's like walking around the supermarket and you're like, oh, I want that bar and start eating it. She'll pay for the bar. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, I bought this. I'm I'm I tried on a shirt in wherever she's trying on a shirt and she'll walk out with it paid for. It. Yeah. It's like, and I'm not that person. I'm like, no, no, it's got to make sure it's the right time and the thing and the blah, 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 blah. And it's like and and I'm like, I look at my <laughs> wife. I'm like, that's the better way to live. Eat the eat yes. the candy bar when you want to eat the candy you bar. You want it? Yeah, yeah. Wear the shirt when you buy the shirt. Instead of having a pair of Was sneakers your, in a closet where I'm your... like, I have these Kawhi sneakers. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know when I can wear them. I'm like, anytime, anytime, <laughs> wear them. And is that your mom influence on you for sure? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely yeah. grew up that way where it was like, yeah. But you, but yeah. that's that reward for me. That's that reward thing that I'm always dealing with, which is like, I it's not. It's not ready yet. It's not perfect yet. It's not the bright time. It's not the thing. Like, uh, it could be as simple. I mean, this is, again, going deeper into my, like, psyche. But it's like, I'll even do that with, like, a bottle of wine. Like, there's a bottle of wine. I was like, oh, I really want, like, I, I, mm. I'm excited to drink this. I was like, but my wife doesn't drink red. And I was like, all right, well, I'll figure it out. And then, like, a couple times people came over. I'm like, anyone wanting red wine? I'm really trying to get rid of this red, you know, not get rid of it, but open it. And they're like, no, no, no. And I was like, and it's sitting there. And I'm like. I just want to, I want to try this thing. And I'm like, I won't open it for myself because I'm just going to have a glass and that's a waste. But it's like, but to what you said, Oliver, it's like, have the fucking glass of wine because I might be dead tomorrow. And I may be like, that was a great glass of wine that I could have enjoyed instead of like waiting for this moment that's (laughs) never going to appear. When, yeah, it's never. When is it the right moment? So invite Joe and Michelle Buck over. We will suck that thing down. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't stand a chance. I'll bring a replacement. I can uh, never find I can never find people who drink red wine. Like I'm like I, I like it. Really? No, oh, oh everyone. God. I'm not a. I don't like white wine. I'm a red wine. You guy. see me. That's where I'm at too. And my wife. Yeah. My wife literally drinks a wine called butter. It is called butter. Uh, butter Chardonnay. Yeah, that is. That I know is, it. Are we are full <laughs> up on butter? Uh, and uh, and but but no yeah but it's like but I think I'm trying to I'm trying to embrace it and I think. To bring it all full circle, that's what I do with my kids. I don't hold back on my kids. Like mm-hmm. when we are doing something, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna go for it. We're gonna like, and so all those instincts that I have are gone when I'm with my family and when I'm with mm-hmm. my wife. Um, but really, I'm getting better with my wife. But I'm but with the kids, unabashedly, it is like mm-hmm. now this is the moment. Let's embrace it. Let's have yeah. fun. Let's go do, do this. Do you stuff. worry though that like your psycho your neurosis, your insanity mm-hmm. in the best and worst way is sort of, you know, seeping into your children? You know, do you do you think Ooh. about that at all? You know, I I guess I have made peace with the fact that I'm going to mess them up, right? I feel yes. like that's part of the job oh, of being awesome. a parent. Like, yeah. It's like uh, you're the you first two are person cut out to of say the same that. Mold. <laughs> yeah, dude, I say that all the time. I say it all the time. I say it's not about if you fuck up your kids, it's just about to what degree. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you, because you are like they're going to rebel against you. I mean, look, you can have like I 
I love my parents, but there's going to be issues. Where like, oh, my mom always did this or that. It wasn't like a make or break thing, but it's like, but you, you know, but it's like there are going to be those things that you're just going to reject about them. Or like Nick Kroll has this joke where, um, you know, he was doing it in his last stand-up special and really made me laugh. He's like, you know, you could be in a moment where, you know, uh, you like you get a haircut and your mom's like, oh, nice haircut. I'm like, oh, wait, so you didn't like my hair before? Like, you know, it's like <laughs> right. all of a sudden like you're at like a 10 with like, your mom. And it's like, what? but but you're only at a 10 with your mom because like, there's like this other thing. Like I get so irritated with my mom and and everybody watching around would be like. Why are your mom's just saying something nice? Like you like you like your haircut? Like, but no, that's like, but she's always saying, "Oh, I like your haircut," like because I don't cut it enough. I I, I don't cut whatever it is. And right. it's like, you know, it's like, and it and it has nothing to do with anything. But it's like you will always, I think, have that like issue on some, you know, and yeah. it's small, and it could be obviously other people could be very big, but I, I'm just like I'm trying to give them. I'm just trying to be like, I love you. I'm taking care of you. It, I'm not trying to like so give right. you my shit. Um, but I'm yeah, sure and by the way, you're gonna in. you're gonna get my shit. Yeah. But I love you, and and as long as you feel my love and you know that I love you unconditionally, and that's it, you're gonna get some of my shit. I'm sorry, it's just and I'm working on it. I will say that I can feel. Yeah. Like, and I don't know about both of you, but <laughs> like I don't. My parents were not working on it, right? Like I mm-hmm. am working on mm-hmm. it, and, and so I feel oh, like I'm too, at least man. aware of yeah. it. So. At least I'm trying oh, to I've been get, in therapy for 20 years. I went to this place called the Hoffman Institute, which was incredible, oh, wow. by the way. It changed my life. And uh, I'm always working on it. I, but I'm fascinated with it. I'm fascinated with the human condition. I, I, I love that we're all made up of the same shit, but we're all so incredibly authentic and that we have the capacity to fix ourselves emotionally. And, and that's so interesting to me. Yeah. So. I like it. I dig it. You know, absolutely. All right, are we uh, we ready to start? <laughs> here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, we got to start. Well, recording. before 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 we go, dude, I just got to say, uh, you are one. Of, you are so fucking funny, and you're one of my oh, favorites. And you're so nice. To say and, that. and the and the league is just such an amazingly funny show. Now, I'm a fantasy football player, but it is just on another level funny it was uh, love, we were really lucky love. really lucky to kind of hit that show in a moment where i mean you know where i feel like the nfl was in a weird spot but now it'd be a little bit harder because i feel like there are some more things that are like oh how do we touch that or right, can we do that mm-hmm. and, you know and uh yeah but the show is so great and to be kind of created by one of the guys who created curb and have that style of improv and everything was yeah. really great and getting to work with all those people always so much fun Dude. and yeah, incredible, man! Incredible. Well, thanks so much. Uh, um, so here's the right. here's the takeaway. Yeah, take the plastic off the couch. Use exactly. Your couch. <laughs> wear your damn tennis shoes. Drink your damn red wine. I threw two Dino bath bombs. I was only going to do one last Don't night both. at bath time, <laughs> but Blake was going batshit crazy, so I threw another one in there. Now we're out of Dino bath bombs, but last night uh, we had a night like no other. And then we watched Oliver stand in the background of the Golden Globes. It was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 that's right. That was my big it's a beautiful moment. night. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Hey, but um, that is. A, yeah, like I think you just got to embrace your embrace these things. And I think when you're around people who also have done it, like I feel like that's the other thing too. Good thing to like look at is like people who have done it that are not you that are older, and you look and you go, oh wow, okay, they, they did it good. They pulled it off. Like crib, mm-hmm. crib from the some people. Yeah. Well. 
Um, all right, final question, Joe. You want to ask? We ask everyone this. I'll yeah, if there's ask. anything that you've taken uh, from your dad that you now have in your own dad DNA, good or bad, that you find yourself doing uh, that you didn't think when you were a younger guy you would actually carry forward. And then, and then, but there's a flip side to that. So it's like the good, what's that good thing that you've taken from your dad that you revel in? But I in? said good and, or bad. Yeah, I know, but it needs to be both, Joe. No, you need to we listen. Want the bad. No, you said good or bad, not no, good you need and to bad. You no, need you got to say, you need the preposition of and, not or. Wait, so what? is what I'm saying. Is it good or bad? Is it good and bad? No, no or good? and bad. So it's, it's that one, it's that thing. God. Just no, Joe. Up. Look, Paul, stick to it now. Stick to stick to football and baseball. Uh, okay. All right, I'm all right. gonna I'm gonna say it, this. Uh, the the good thing that I've taken from my dad um, definitely is doing the trips and having the adventures. And like, I definitely when my dad was the person who we would like we I had some of the best experiences, whether it's camping or going to Walt Disney World or all that sort of stuff. So like, I really am aware of creating like fun family moments that's something that i'm very like passionate about like those memories and sometimes uh shocked when they don't even remember the things that we've done and now that will get better uh but i but like when we go back and like i don't remember ever going there like last year like uh, i brought my son to, <laughs> i brought my son to like a clippers game and he got to meet um a couple of the players uh like in autograph alley and I, I know he doesn't remember it, but like we show him pictures mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right. So yeah. but I'm trying to create those those memories. And then I think I had, by the way, I didn't even bring up the Lakers Clippers thing because I've been a Laker fan. Lakers oh, my gosh. Forever. Well, you're I, L.A. I read, I read so, on your yeah. thing that you're a Clippers fan and my and Kate and, and Ryder. And they're like, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Jesus. Christ. I'm a I'm a New Yorker who was a Knicks fan. I moved out here to L.A. and um and the Knicks have just, I mean, besides the season, have been uh, really just a disappointing team for so many years. And I was like, you know what? I'm in L.A. now. I'm going to have kids eventually. And I want them to have like a team that we can go to. And at that point, I was very poor. And the Clippers were very cheap seats. And Blake Griffin was playing. <laughs> and yep. it was fun as shit. And I was like, I'm yeah. in. I am a Clippers fan. I felt like I wasn't on a bandwagon. I know all my friends who are okay, L.A. Good. people are not. I don't feel them as bandwagon fans. Like, that's L.A. And that's. I'm there. I just I got in, and I was like, I like this underdog aspect of it, and now I'm in, and now I'm like okay. uh, aggressively in. But all right, and then the bad all thing. Right, fine, fine. All right. But yes, I can uh, but that. look, and I have no no disrespect for the Lakers. I only don't like okay. the Lakers when they play the Clippers. That's about really the only time I, I get upset about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, but um, you can't disrespect their dynasty royalty. I just read uh, yeah. I just read Kobe's book, and I just read Three Ring Circus, which is a great book. Three ring circus. Oh my God! I had the craziest, used to remind, craziest dream about Kobe Bryant last night. It was fucking weird. We, I don't know. He like visited me. I was at a visitation dream by Kobe Bryant. It was insane. Oh, it man. was a it detailed hanging out and parting Whoa. wisdom on me dream. It was very. Strange. I'm reading Mamba anyway. Mentality. I should be having those dreams. I should be going to bed with that. Uh, the bad <laughs> thing that my dad has done, and this is something that I've really, I made fun of him for doing it my whole life, and now I have done it, it's become part of me, which is misremembering and mispronouncing names. I am, I, I don't know what has become, like it was something I'm like, dad, it's not that person, it's this person. And now I am that person where I will just scramble names and 
you know, uh, Harvey Danger or whatever that show. Like, I'm just, <laughs> and whatever Danger. it is, I am that. Dad, it's not that. It's not, yeah. it's that. And I'm like, oh. And so, yeah, so that is something. <laughs> the, the, the the primary, like, the, the main irritation of my dad was him never remembering or quite getting the names. And now I do it to my kid all Amazing. the time. That's great. Paul, so, thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for fitness in. And thank you for being so open about yeah, this. Yeah, it's really awesome. it's helpful to to all dads and I, I agree with you you're working on it I, I feel like the world or the country's turning out better dads now because at least we're aware of of kind of as opposed to what came before not everyone mm-hmm. but no but trying everyone's yeah trying we're trying. This is, the, we're trying if this is somebody's like if this is somebody's four agreements it's good i mean that's this is like what i think is so great about your podcast is like you can listen to this you get your four agreements you get your uh, love languages right here you got you got enough right. of it here you got <laughs> you know and, and it's easier and it was only an hour and you and yeah. you don't have to open a book and you don't have to spend all that money this is perfect that's it. right yeah, but then right. look at look at the cover art of our podcast and look at those two faces and go, why the three enough? of us would be like, yeah, that's any it. kind right, right, of yeah. help from these three idiots. Uh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael, executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger.